what's better than earning money from a nine to five job? It's earning money while you sleep, which is made possible if you start investing. You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Demystified with your very own dynamic duo, Ava Benasaki and August Biniaz. Tune in as we discuss everything real estate, both on the passive and active sides. We feature life-changing stories of today's real estate leaders that will help build your own roadmap to success. This is a show that will lead you to diversified portfolio, a much bigger revenue, and a next level venture that brings you a smooth cash flow. Let's get this episode started. All right, welcome back, everyone. Here welcome we back, us and everyone, I guess, right? Yeah, so, yeah. and I want to say really quickly, yeah. happy Thanksgiving to our American friends. Well, you stole my line, but okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> what I was going to say is that it seems like there's so much happening. There's so much going on. So you got the Thanksgiving in the U.S., our Thanksgiving was a different time here in Canada. It's actually but... October 10th in Canada. A lot of people don't know that. Canadians have different Thanksgiving than yeah, Amer- yeah. our American friends. But I like this because every day you should be Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. You should always be you should, So, so I'm, I'm, to- I'm totally fine with it. But other than that, it's also the World Cup is happening. So oh, yeah, it's, August. it's, it's an right. event and a celebration that I've attended the last three or the last four World Cups. And this was the first World Cup in the recent times and I wasn't able to attend in person. I guess it's such so, to be married, hey? <laughs> he's married now <laughs> well that, that wasn't the only reason obviously being being reason. married was definitely one of the reasons as well but i would say that yeah so busy, wa- busy. watch like, it just feels like there's so much happening in the world and we're traveling back to phoenix again here going to check out our project in tucson but excited about today's show so we were in dallas at a conference and we saw our guests there and we met and got obviously to meet we, him in we, person. we've known Raj for a while, but we got to meet him in person. So lovely guy. So you're looking forward to the show today. But yeah, why don't you tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about our guest today? Our guest today. Let's dive right into things. Okay. So I'm going to say his full name, but it's Raj Kumar Venkati Ramani. And he goes by the Raj. He's actually a pediatric cancer researcher, an oncologist, and a real estate investor. He is the founder of Redoc Capital LLC, where he helps his fellow doctors invest in real estate passively. So Raj has invested in more than 1,200 apartment units. So we believe this interview with Raj will be beneficial to high income earners learning why it's important to have multiple sources of income. So thank you for being on our show today, Raj. Welcome. We're happy to have you. Welcome, Raj. Thanks, Ava and August. It's my pleasure to be here. And I think is Venkat Ramani, Venkat Ramani. But anyways, just I, th- I think you almost had it, Ava. You practiced it perfect. But as that, soon- that was fine. <laughs> it was perfect. Sorry. All right, all right. So let's do this. All right, Roger. Let's get right into things. If you could tell us about your background and start in real estate, please. So as you mentioned, I'm a physician based out of Houston, Texas. I actually was born and raised in India, then trained in UK, and then came to US for further training, and became a pediatric oncologist. And I'm what we call as an academic doctor, where my main focus is research. I do mainly research in sarcomas in children, which is a, a type of cancer which occurs in muscles and bones. And for the longest time, that was my main focus. I didn't care about anything else. And then around, of course, similar to everyone around age of 40, you start thinking about, hey, what are the things out there? Thinking about your children, the children are growing up, a family generational wealth, legacy, those kinds of things. That's what led my journey into real estate. So I've been involved in real estate since 2017 for the past five years. 
Great. And yeah, we're going we're gonna to get more into it as well. But a lot of busy professionals, high income earners, they don't even think about anything else. They're just so busy mm -hmm. with their profession and with their trade that they don't even think about generational wealth or alternative sources of income. That's something we're going to get into more on our show today. But yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, Raj, as you've invested as an LP in the past, maybe you could let us know when you realized you could invest in syndications and maybe also share with us some of the questions you had initially. No, so the way I thought about it, so traditionally, our focus for wealth building generally is saving, right? So that's how our parents have taught us, hey, save as much money as possible. And then when I came to US, the only thing I knew is our 401k, stock market, those kinds of things. Around 2017, I was looking at, I don't spend a lot of money. I save a lot of money. I hate debt. I pay off my mortgage like twice the amount required every month because I'm from India. We hate debt. That's how we are bought up. You should never have debt in your life. Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. In 2017, I started looking at my net worth. At that point, I was like six years out of my fellowship. I'm not spending much. I'm living like a middle-class person. My net worth isn't increasing, right? And everything is in stock market. And what happens if the stocks go down suddenly, like this year? So I thought, okay, I need to diversify outside of stock market. So that's how I started thinking about real estate. And of course, I was very busy. My kids were small. My wife was working in a different town. She's also a physician. So doing active real estate was not an option for me at that time point. So that's why I started looking into passive investing real estate. And then I came across a physician education website, which talked about real estate syndication. And there was a company which advertised on that website. So I called up this company. And then to be honest, initially, I, when I invested, I didn't understand it completely, to be honest. So this physician website recommended this company. I wanted diversification, called this person. I could not wait to get out of the conversation because it, was, it went for about an hour. And I, was, I remember driving my kids to swimming and I was talking at the same time. I said, fine, I want to diversify. Here's my $50,000 check and send it out. So that's how I started. And then every year since then, I've been investing in passively in real estate. But every time I learned more and more and more about real estate. So that's how I gained more knowledge about passive investing and how powerful it can be for especially busy professionals, high income owners, those kinds of things. Yeah, let's just focus on, and I think you find this interesting, Ava, but let's focus on your initial communication. So you- I, I do find this, I know exactly where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, very, so, yeah. so what I want to say is that you were at a juncture in your, in your professional career, in your life, that you were looking for other sources of possible income or investments or diversification. You researched online and learned about an educational course through physicians that provided this passive investment options into real estate. You connected with this investment group that they suggested. Now you are on, on an hour-long call learning the basics, but you make the decision to invest. But you don't fully understand how that business operates or the mechanics of real estate private equity. Why did you still decide to invest even though you didn't fully understand the company and your relationship with that sponsor or syndicator or that investment firm was not really cemented for a long time. So like many of my investors currently and my colleagues and myself, it's based on the trust of the website. The physician who ran the website recommended this company. So I trusted that person and I thought he's knowledgeable. So that's what made me invest. It's more a recommendation from this person and physicians in general, they take, if some other physician recommends something, they trust them more. I was in the same place. So I said, okay, this physician who knows more than me recommending this company, so it must be good. So that's what made me take that step, initial step. Got it, got it, got it. That makes okay. a lot of sense. 
Hey, Raj, a quick question for you. Have you invested in single family other than your primary residence? This is one of my regrets. I had like three houses in the past. I didn't want to deal with tenants, toilets, and termites. So I actually sold them. Those were would have been perfect houses where my, for example, my wife lived in a different city. So she had a house, I had a house, but we sold them, right? So I hadn't had a like a single family or rental homes until early this year where I bought like a seven unit property in Houston. Before that, I was, and then I was an accidental landlord for about six months because one of my townhomes didn't sell. And I'm like a typical novice landlord. Whenever they call me for something, I feel like really bad, immediately run over there to try to fix stuff, right? So those kinds of things. And It's a doctor <laughs> in you, man, that does that. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't feel it was worth my time to have one a single family home taking care of these things and having a prop. Even I right now, I have a property manager, to be honest, for the seven-unit property, but I still have to make decisions every day yes. or my some other things. So it's, even though I'm not directly dealing with tenants, the decision fatigue is real. So yeah. I have seven-unit property, some kind of decision, they always send you something. So even though I'm not at a losing money on the property, I'm probably going to sell it whenever I can. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that yeah. issues. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And maybe even let's kind of, Going to the next question here, maybe you can tell us about the advantages of multifamily versus single family. So, of course, I fully believe in it. That's why I'm doing that as well. There are a lot of multifamily advantages, especially for busy professionals like my colleagues there. One we already talked about, they don't have the time to deal with this tenant toilet termites. And being an expert in multifamily, I tell my colleagues, it's like going to med school. You cannot just jump into it and become the expert, right? So the people who do this, They've done this for a long time. They have a construction background. They have they develop relations with brokers. So those things take time to develop. So we are relying on those experts. So we put our money, but they know what they're doing. So we are relying on the experts to conduct this business. It's not in real estate, it's a business. And then for me, the advantage for a busy professional is you don't have to deal with anything. You just review the K-1 statement once a year, and then you get the returns. And the doctors in general tend to invest for three things from my point of view. One is, of course, diversification. The second is high returns. Uh, consistently, multifamily has performed above S&P 500 over long term. Even during recessionary times, it has performed very well. And the third one is tax advantages. When you're a high-income professional, you have a lot of issues with tax, and there's not a lot of places you can save taxes. But multifamily and real estate provides those advantages. So those are the three top reasons why physicians invest in real estate, especially multifamily. family. Mm -hmm. Cash flow as well. But, and I mean, I'll add another one to that. It's backed by tangible asset too, right? Mm -hmm. So Something they can feel and touch. Something they can but, feel but, touch. but aside from the syndication part of it, uh, just could differentiating single family and multifamily, I mean, I'm sure you know about this, but it's, it's obviously it's that the economy of scale, you know, a single family, that, like mm -hmm. you said, the economy of scale is not there. You have a tenant that moves out, you're at 100% vacancy. You have a 20-unit mm -hmm. building, one of your tenants moves out, you're at 5% vacancy. So, and then other advantages, well, lower cost of management and financing in some bizarre way is actually easier, easier in, in, in commercial real estate than it is mm -hmm. in single family. At some point you tap out, but in commercial real estate, as you scale, you can bring on key principals and loan guarantors. Uh, we had our past guest, Ethan Gao, who provides those services. But yeah, so I want to touch on that as well, as far as the advantages of multifamily and single family aside yeah. from- yeah, I, yeah, one thing to add is I was just talking to Clem, like, was potential investor yesterday. When you start off with one single family, everyone feels very good, right? So they buy a newer property, whatever it is, the tenant is good and the rent starts coming in. But when they 
go to the second, third, that's when they realize how much work it is. Plus they start just seeing some tenant not paying rent. As you said, if you have one bad tenant, the cash flow for the whole year is gone. You're not making any profit. It may take two, three years for you to recover from it. And those typical things we we don't see in multifamily. So I completely agree with that. It's a higher risk if you have a single family. And it's very difficult to scale. Even I mean, I started out, I said, hey, I'm going to buy 10 houses, one house per year, right? 10 homes, 10 rental, then I'm going to retire based on it. It's like I'll get $10,000 per month. It didn't work out that way. And finding a something which works is very difficult. It's a lot more work than what I'm doing now with multifamily. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, point. All right, Raj. So some high-income earners are maybe watching this and say, wait a second, cash flow, I already or high returns, I already make a lot of money. So why do I need a secondary source of passive income? So what do you usually say to them? So a couple of things. One is doctors in general, people think they're wealthy. It may not always be true. They're high-income earners, but that's not equate to wealth, right? So you're exchanging basically your time for money, right? If you work, you get money comes in, right? But something happens and you're not able to do your work, what's going to happen next year, right? So you don't have that exchange of time with money. So that's, I think majority of physicians understand that inherently, and there is always a worry, even though they're earning a high income, it may not be sustainable. And the situation in US is such that in the last few years, people have realized there has been a lot of cuts to reimbursement for doctors, especially. So the reimbursement haven't kept up phase with inflation. So that's another worry because this high income is not sustainable for the long term. So that's another reason for looking at other passive income. On top of all those things, the COVID-19, when it happened, that has put so much stress on the healthcare system and everyone has started rethinking their priorities, right? So the doctors, when they're young, they usually didn't think about dying. But when COVID-19 hit, there is a real possibility you could die. And then you start thinking about what's going to happen to my family, my kids, those kinds of things. So it is important to develop, bring in this other streams of income as an insurance policy. And you don't want to be stuck to your work because you need that money. So that's what I tell my physician friends. You want to be a physician because you love it and you want to serve the patients. And money should not be on the back of your mind saying, hey, I need to do this because I need the money. Then you, you will not be serving your patients. So this thing, having passive income releases you from those thoughts and you're able to perform well on their primary job, which is taking care of your patients. Got it. Got it. It's really, really nice. Now, let me ask you something here, something that came to mind aside from our questions. But three and a half years ago, when we got started in the syndication space, a lot of people didn't even know what syndication was. Even commercial real estate brokers who were in this space, they weren't sure what syndications are, who are these syndicators, these barbarians who are coming in and buying these assets and, <laughs> and bringing hundreds of investors and what have you. In the fraternity that you're part of, in the cafeterias, in the communications that you have with physicians, is it becoming more common that people know about syndications or is it still a mystery still? I do think there are a certain proportion there. They know about it, but it's still a huge mystery among physicians because almost all my investors are first-time investors in syndication, right? So I go to my colleagues. Very rarely I have someone say, hey, I already have invested in multiple syndications. I know about it. So a lot of my time spent in explaining what a syndication is, educating them, and it's all a mystery to them, right? So it, it takes time. I spent multiple, I talked to some people, it takes six months for them to understand before they start investing. So wow. there are a lot of doctors who don't know what a syndication is. For a lot of them, think about real estate as single family rental. That's what comes to their mind. They mind it because it's simple, but syndication is a mystery for most people. 
Yeah. And we're going to get into the course that you've created as well. Yeah. And great for you to be spreading the word because, yeah, you can definitely help the masses by going out there, educating what syndication is, and then people can set themselves up for this alternative source of income. So Raj, what is your advice to others who want to start investing in multifamily? So should they start investing as a limited partner first and LP first? I always recommend investing in a limited partner first. That's why how I started. And most people, I think, start that way. Of course, I encourage them to learn more about it. But until you can only learn so much by watching videos or watching podcasts, those kinds of things, you have to actually be involved in it. So always start as a limited partner. And then you start seeing how it works, what kind of reports you get. You can interact with people, go to meetings, those kinds of things. Then educate yourself. Then you can if you want to, it's not appropriate for everyone, but if you really want to get involved, and of course you can do an active space as well. Right, right. It's not as easy as it looks, hey? You know, from now, there's a lot of moving parts that go on. So now we'd love to know, like, tell us about your why in wanting to start a real estate investment firm. Yeah, we mentioned your real estate investment firm earlier on. We see it on the screen mm-hmm. here. So tell us yeah. about your why to, you know, obviously you're a super busy professional, not just busy, you passively invested, you own real estate, you believe in an asset class, but now you have a real estate investment firm and you're partnering with physicians, partnering with others. Like Ava said, what is your why? So my personal why for investment, of course, is my children. I want to show them. I actually started off stepping back. When I grew up, I actually wanted to be a start a business, right? That was always my passion for it. But the situation I was in, my family situation, those kinds of things, this was the best path for my career. Plus I like doing what I'm doing. So that's one thing. But I do, for personal why was I wanted to show my children that there are multiple ways you can be. Because a lot of children of doctors tend to become doctors. I don't know if you have noticed it, but I want to show them that that's not the only way. You can be an entrepreneur, and you can do great things as an entrepreneur. So that was my personal why. Of course, I wanted to build wealth, legacy, early retirement, and those kinds of things. But my children see what I do every day, and then they get into it, right? My daughter made a Canva presentation for Redoc Capital that, that they had sent it to me. It was really funny, like single family home, say, hey, Redoc Capital can give you this. That was a topic, <laughs> but it was she is seven years old, right? Wow. So I want them to say it. So the other reason is, again, I can come up tell you what happened when I bought the seven unit property in Houston. Right, So everything that could go wrong went wrong in that. And part of the reason I think is they assume physicians don't know anything and then you can exploit them or things. A couple of examples is so I have a seven unit property. My realtor, I actually went and found the property myself. The realtor didn't do anything for that. And then he sent an inspector he recommended. The inspector, first thing, he spent about three hours looking at the seven-unit property. I was with him the whole time. And then he sends me a bill for $3,500 for that inspection. And then I, I didn't know anything about commercial real estate. So I asked my realtor, hey, can you recommend a lender? And then he recommends a lender who sends me a bill for $6,000 for appraisal, which I had to pay immediately for them to do the appraisal. So this is a second hit. And then... The inspector said one of the houses, the seven units said detached houses, one of the foundations is not good. And then the realtor got a contractor who basically told me it's going to cost $17,000 to fix this foundation. And I didn't end up paying any of those three things because then I got an actual foundation guy who said, oh, this is fine. I don't know why they told you that the foundation is not. So this is just an example of what happens. As soon as they know you're a physician, they assume you have a lot of money. And they start coming up with all these things. And if you don't have the knowledge, 
you get exploited. So my mission or my personal why for starting this firm is actually helping my colleagues educate them and be a, someone who can discern between good and bad investments for them. They don't have the time, those kinds of things. So that is the value I bring. I spend my time, I underwrite the properties we invest in. I invest my own money in all the properties we invest in so that they have the confidence. So I bring them along with my investments. So that is my why for starting this firm. Amazing, amazing. amazing. And having gone through those difficult times, being an active investor, that actually makes you a stronger and more experienced GP to be there and support your investors. Yeah, Great. I know. That's incredible, Raj. Okay, Raj, you know what? Please, please tell us about the course you have created first physicians, uh, doctor syndication schools. I'd love to hear, learn more. And I'm sure everybody else would love to learn more. So this again came out of the same thing. So when I started this firm, I was talking to these investors, right? And I usually have 30 minutes to talk to them. And it's impossible for us to go through everything about multifamily. And one of the missions for me was starting this firm was educating the doctors. So I started seeing a common questions they ask every time. And I felt like I didn't have enough time to address those questions. So that is the, one of the reasons for starting this course. Basically, it's 60 different video modules. They go through in a four-week time period. Each module is like five to 10 minutes. It's like a half an hour thing because physicians are very busy. So I made sure that it's very bite-sized pieces in there. And then it can be completed in four weeks. At the end of four weeks, they will know how to assess the limited partner investment opportunity. So they're going to spend 50,000, 100,000, sometimes $200,000 of their money. And I don't want them to be like what I did the first time, which I didn't know anything. And then I just gave the money to someone. How did that deal go, by the way? How did that deal go? Oh yeah. It worked out well. It's got sold this year. Okay. But because I know more now, I did find some problems with the way the business plan was handled. But through COVID, everyone went up. So the deal went up. So I'm happy. But it could have done better. Yes. But I know more now, so I can assess that. Of course, of course. So that's the reason for creating the doctor syndication school. And yeah. A few more questions about it. So it's Mm -hmm. a four-week program. Uh, it goes over the main idea is teaching uh, passive. Can someone who's not a physician take this course as well, or is it mainly? Yes, it is. No, it's any LP investor who, or it's anyone who's looking to invest as an LP can take this course. Not only it's video modules, you have worksheets like how to attend a webinar. What are the things you need? Questions you need to ask in a webinar. What is a PPM? What you are the things to look in the investment. PPM? You mean an investment webinar? For yes, a- sorry, like an investment opportunity webinar, right? Yeah. So when people get these opportunities, the first thing they attend is webinar. So here I say, hey, these are the things they discuss in webinar. These are the things to look for. These are the things to look for in PPM. What is an uh, operating agreement? So we'll go through all those things step-by-step step with real-life examples. And we also go through actual deals we have done in the past and then go through how the deals are structured, why, and those kinds of things as well. Wow, that's very smart. And what is the cost for the course? So it costs about $999, $1,000 to take the course. Great, very reasonable. Okay, yeah, awesome. Yeah. No, and we'll put that in the show notes, both on the podcast and on the YouTube show. Great, yeah, so awesome. I think that was great. We got to know our friend Raj and Raj uh, all the stuff he's doing. And yeah. you know, seems like he's a busy guy and is gonna continue to be very busy. So we'd love to watch him grow and bring him back on the show. but. Let's get to the next segment of the show, Ava. Let's do it. Okay, the 10 championship rounds to financial freedom, Raj. Are you ready? I think so. Let's go. (laughs) We scared him before the show, so he knows that the rapid fire questions are coming. Here they come. All right. First question. Who was the most influential person in your life? My mom. 
Do I get time to explain or just yeah, one word answer? Of course. Oh, yeah, okay. Please. So my mom is the most, because I lost my dad when I was 10 and she has been the strong person in our life. She went, when we lost our dad, she didn't have finished high school. Then she went to high school at the age of 30, got new skills, went to work. So she kept our family together. So that's why she's my one person who influenced me the most. Wow. She's my hero too. How many siblings do you have? I have one sister, one sister. older sister. What does she do? She's a software engineer back in India. Okay. 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 Awesome, okay. man. Nice. Cool story. Nice. All right. Next question, Raj. What is the number one book you recommend? There are a lot of books I've read recently. I don't want to go rich dad, poor dad, because that's one everywhere everyone recommends. So the book which I have read recently, which not related to real estate, but it's a coaching as a leadership style. So that's the one which has helped me the most, where interacting with other people, those kinds of things that has opened my eyes to the things I've done differently in the past and how I can do it differently now. So that is the book I like the most. What is it called? Coaching as a Leadership Style. Coaching as a Leadership Style. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Have a look. Great. All right. Next question. If you had the opportunity to travel back in time, what advice Mm -hmm. would you give your younger self? Definitely start in real estate sooner at any form the other. You don't have to do multifamily. You don't have to do large scale stuff. But from the beginning, as a young person, you should start in real estate as soon as possible. That's what I tell my son. Yes. <laughs> when you're 18, you're going to buy something. <laughs> you're buying something. That's your goal. Right? For sure. mm-hmm. All right. Next question. What is the best investment you've ever made? I would say it's my education is my best investment I've ever made throughout my career. So Nice. Now, what's the worst investment you've ever made? And what lessons did you learn from it? This is another story. So I worked in UK, saved up a lot of money and came here, right? And then I open a bank account. I go and stand in the front of the teller and say, hey, they look at my account. It's cash, right? They say, hey, look at that person sitting over there. You should go and talk to him. I didn't know anything about it. So he's an investment advisor. You go and sit with him. And then he said, hey, you should invest. You're 25. You have so much money. You should invest in this thing. I had no clue about investment. So whatever this guy says, I assume he has my best interest in mind. I put that money in. Of course, it didn't do well. The other thing I did is I looked at this Morningstar, all these recommendations. They recommended buy GE stock. This is going to do really well, right? Two different investment advisors. I bought the stock at $38. And then six months later, it was $8. Really? Right. (laughs) Then that was, of course, as a young person, I learned the lesson. So I'm not going to deal with this stocks and those kinds of things anymore. So it was a good lesson to have upfront when you're starting out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, next question. How much would you need in the bank to retire today? What's your number? So I think you want the exact number? <laughs> sure. Well, it's it's <laughs> kind of a trick question. It's kind of a trick question. People answer it differently. So I can tell you I have enough to retire right now because my expenses are very low. Right. I'm a very simple guy. Yes. I don't go out much and then my requirements are very minimal. Yes. So if I need to retire, I can retire now. Yes. Um, and yeah, the way some of our other guests answer it sometimes is that they see the total amount and what would be the residual income from that. So like, let's say 50 million and what would that mm-hmm. equate to? And then other guests also talk about that is not about how much money in the, you have in the bank, it's about how much passive income you have coming in. I didn't know it was a technical question, yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, because when you grow up without enough money, it doesn't matter. What I have is a lot of money when compared to what I had before. And I'm used to a lifestyle where you don't have enough money. I'm not saying enough money, a lot of money. So 
for me, the main reason is I want to get my kids through college. After that, I don't have any expenses myself. Nice. So I have enough to retire right now. Awesome. Nice, Raj. <laughs> All right. If you could have dinner with someone dead or alive, who would it be? So my childhood hero was, it may be a cliche, but Gandhi. When I was very little, I read a book about, it's called Freedom at Midnight. That influenced me a lot throughout my life. So I would probably, everyone calls him Mahatma. I think it's a great politician and number one, to bring together so many different people together and fight against British without any, non, with using nonviolence. So I, I would really like to meet him. Yeah. And you guys both were educated in the UK. So that's interesting as well. Oh, very cool. All right. Now, if you weren't doing what you're doing today, what would you be doing now? Seven units he bought. He'd be managing it right now. <laughs> I have very few talents, to be honest. So <laughs> nothing around art or creativity. I don't have any of those talents. I'll be probably doing hustling somewhere. Hustling. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm very good at hustling or being persistent and those kinds of things. Yes. Nice. Got nice. It. All Got right. It. All right, Raj. I'm excited to hear this. We're talking about that. Hold on. That, yeah, talking yeah. about what he just said is that earlier we were talking to him. He wanted to actually be a businessman. Yes. And then he, he made it sound like he just fell into being a doctor and a specialist as well. But now he says that, hey, if I had a chance, I'll go and hustle and be a business person. The funny the story about me is that my mom always wanted me to be a doctor, be a physician, yeah. particularly a surgeon, right? That's what she always wanted. But I wasn't doing well in academics. So I'm like, hey, this is not going to happen, mom. And I ended up getting into real estate. But now I see a lot of doctors They're who want to get into real estate. estate. So I'm like, mom, look at this. You know, you always want to be a doctor. All the doctors want to be what I'm doing. So he maybe after that. all. He I, does I say that to right, his mom. It's actually right quite decision. funny. Yes. Okay. All right. We can um, go to the next question. This is my favorite question. And I mean, I love asking doctors this. Mm -hmm. Now, book smarts or street smarts? My wife always says I'm street smart. She considers much more smarter than I am, but she's always amazed at how I am able to survive uh, so, <laughs> with limited knowledge. So she says, oh, you're street smart. That's why you survive. Nice. There you go. Nice. Talking for street smarts. Okay. okay, this is the last question, Raj. If you had a million dollars cash and you had to make one investment today, what would it be? Personally, for myself, I actually thought about it like fair million or what I would do just a couple of days ago. I'll probably invest in my firm, Redoc Capital. I have so many other things I want to do with it. So that's what I would invest in. So you would invest to grow the firm, not invest as an LP investor in one of, like to grow the reinvested back into the firm the same way you're invested in your education kind of thing. Yes, that's what I would do. Nice. I, that's what I would do if I had a million as well. I yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, no, really appreciated you being here. Thank you to your transparency, sharing of all your journey and your stories about your life. Tell our listeners how they can reach you if they want to connect with you. So I'm on LinkedIn. You can say REI Doc or Raj, yeah, I will come up. Or they can go to my website. It's called Redoc Capital, R-E-I-D-O-C-Capital.com. And they can go and get, I have a free ebook for physicians, which explains what passive income is, what passive investment is. So they can get that in that website as well. Wonderful. Tremendous. Thank you so really much appreciate for it, man. being our guest today, Raj. Thanks so much for having me, both Ava and August. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We hope this conversation enlightened you on how to win big in this highly profitable and risk-adverse space. Get on your feet and embrace this world that offers so many opportunities just waiting for you out there. Continue your journey to becoming a savvy real estate expert by subscribing to the show at cpicapital.ca. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and share with your friends. See you on the next one.